Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Well, starting today, we're going to do a, a series of messages on a topic called dedication. The idea of dedication. What does that mean? Dedication. Any takers? Come on, oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. We're putting you on the sound system. It means being committed to something. Pretty good, huh? Anybody else? Well, I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary and they came up with a lot of meanings, but three of, three of the meanings that they came up with, which and actually all their meanings are related, but three of the meanings they came up with, which are quite, um, quite related to each other. Number one, well, my number one I'm going to talk about is a ceremony or a religious rite, okay? So we could have a, a ceremony to dedicate our new building. In fact, if we had a new building, we might well do that. We also have a ceremony sometimes to dedicate a new baby. So it's a kind of a, a ceremony that, you know, marks a, an occasion. That's a dedication, isn't it? Another meaning which you're very familiar is if we say dedicated. You know, this, this person is a very, uh, it means hardworking and wholehearted. We could say Teresa's a dedicated musician. We could say uh, this person is a dedicated student, a dedicated artist. He shows great dedication to his teaching. So it means we're all in, okay? We're right into it. That's dedicated. And the third meaning, which is related, of course, means to be set aside for a purpose. And I think this is probably the one we're going to be focusing on a lot over the next month or so. In modern language, it's used in a lot of thi- for a lot of things and places, isn't it? So we might say, uh, we, because of COVID, there were so many calls came into COVID, COVID-related, that we set up a special dedicated COVID phone line. You've heard of that? And that means that that phone line's just for that, set aside for that purpose. It's not totally different to the other meanings, is it? Or we might say in Taiwan they set up dedicated hospitals for COVID and that might have been part of their success because they've been very successful in Taiwan about COVID. In New Zealand we've had hotels dedicated to COVID quarantine, haven't we? Set aside for nothing else, all right? So we could say, in a sense, we could say that Aaron Henderson is a very dedicated youth worker. But in this sense, he's not because he's a a youth worker and he's a farmer as well. So in this sense, we say that something's dedicated for this and nothing else, all right? So here we go. The word, let's look again at this word, set aside for a purpose. The word dedicated appears in the Old Testament, but it doesn't appear in the New Testament. But the idea of being set aside to a purpose, for, set aside for a purpose, runs right through the whole Bible. For instance, if you if you open the Book of Acts, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, and that's dedication, isn't it? They they laid everything else aside. These are people. They knew Jesus had risen from the dead. They're told to wait because something big's going to happen, all right? And, and it happens, and, and now they, they devote themselves to one thing. They say, look, all that other stuff can wait because we're hungry to listen to the teaching of the apostles who knew Jesus, and we're hungry to pray, and everything else can sort of wait. So this, I think, is a lot of the idea of dedication we'll be studying over the next month. Are you dedicated? Should you be? To what? Okay, we've got two interesting answers here. God, the church. Okay, there's two interesting answers. God, the church, this town, 
your job, you know, you're dedicated. So you might say, look, I've got a job. I'm dedicated to see young people learn things in that job. So you can be dedicated to all sorts of good things. In today's story, we hear about someone who dedicated someone else to God. Can you do that? Can you dedicate someone else to God? You reckon you can? Okay, well, keep your mind open, keep listening, see what, hap- see what happens. This is a story with things which I think are worth us thinking about. The original story doesn't even use the word dedication, but the idea's in there. See if you can spot it. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to read these Bible study notes, and they said every day when you read the Bible, see if there's an example you can follow in there, or if there's a something somebody does which we should avoid. And in this story, I think there's a good example to follow. I think there are good examples of things to avoid as well. So listen up to it. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and the translators put this note in my Bible, the birth of Samuel. So the first part is about the birth of Samuel. And I'm going to read you the story. And every time I flip out of the Bible into Jeremy, I'll tell you, just so you don't get mixed up and think I'm a heretic, all right? Here goes. From the Bible, there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim. You heard, Ramathaim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Now, Jeremy's talking here. I want to tell you, having two wives is not a good idea. <laughs> it's not forbidden in the Bible. Nowhere does it say you can't, but the Bible is also clear on this. In our church constitution, we've actually written that. If we have a marriage here, it's between adults freely entered into, all right? So if you want to come and say, well, look, I want to marry someone who doesn't want to marry me, we say, sorry, according to our constitution, we can't do it. If he's not grown up yet, you can't do it in our church. Now, many Bible stories show problems arising because somebody had more than one wife. Can you think of an example? Hmm? King Solomon, he had, how many? 900, boy. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Hmm? Abraham, anybody else? Yeah, Jacob's a very famous one because of all the things that came from it, you see. Now, when you're a kid in Sunday school, you learned that, that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. But they didn't tell you why, did they? And the reason is because Jacob, son number 11, sorry, Joseph, son number 11, was the firstborn of Jacob's favorite wife. All right? Four wives, 12 brothers, politics, arguing, fighting, who loves the pet? No, okay, so you could see tr- trouble being set up to happen. So I'm not, if, if you're a young person here today, I can't tell you whether you should get married or not, okay? Actually, looking around, you all have. But uh, I can't tell you whether you should get married or not, and I can't tell you who you should marry, but I will give you a very, very strong recommendation about the number of people you should marry. You ready? One, that's it. Okay, got that? How many? One. Okay. And like the Rachel and the Leah and Rachel thing, there's a big problem when women were seen as valuable mainly for having children. And then one wife can have children, one can't. Do you see the problem here? Barrenness, not being able to have children, is a huge problem in our society today. And we pray for people about that. Here, you know, come and see us. But women are now valued for all sorts of reasons. 
Then they weren't so much. They were seen as, you know, baby producers. So the, the, you set up for a case where a man prefers this wife to that one because she produces babies, all right? Oh, that's a better wife. Society would see it that way. Elkanah was a man ahead of his time. He was a modern man. He really showed that he loved and he valued Hannah, and there's more later on that, all right? He could have had reason, society reason, to look down on that wife. Oh, she hasn't had any children. Now, back to the Bible. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Who was her rival? Penina, the other wife, all right? Imagine that in the family. Remember how many people you meant to marry? One, guys. If you forget, come and ask me later. All right. So this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, I want to tell you, he was a good man, okay? He did all he could to cheer her up. There are husbands like that. It's our job, men, you know, so if, if our wives get downhearted, oh, dear, I'm no good at this, and I'm I've mucked up there, right? It's our job as men to go along and say, hey, hey, it's all right. Come on, I'll help you. We'll, we'll have another go. That's our job as men. Is it a wife's job too? Oh, yeah, it is, all right? Now, how many people here are old enough to remember Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother? Yeah, okay, the, the mother of the current Queen of England, all right? That's one of the things we like the best about her and admire the best about her. Her husband, quite unexpectedly, was forced to become the king. He was a man with many weaknesses, a man with very little competence. And what was his saving grace was that he had a wonderful wife who stood by him and said, now, come on, you can do this. Gave him practical help in teaching to do it. So as spouses, as husbands and wives, a big part of our job is to encourage our wives and husbands just like Elkanah encouraged Hannah. But I want you to picture the trip to Shiloh, all right? Elkanah worships. That's why he's gone there, to worship God. Penina taunts and puts down Hannah all the time. Hannah weeps and she won't eat. Elkanah tries to keep the peace and sort of, you know, sort everybody out. Fun? Why did they go? <laughs> no. Imagine that. People come to worship God, and when they get there, they spend time in sort of putting each other down and judging. And Would, could that ever happen? Oh, yeah, it could happen. All right? I knew a man who, who, when he was a boy, used to go to church, and he, he believed in it. But one day after church, he went outside and listened to what people were saying. And he found that they didn't, he said, they didn't come to church to do all this stuff. They came to church to about everybody else. And so he gave it up. He stopped and he, he turned against it. And it was much later in his life he became a Christian when he met the real God and learned how it's really meant to be and why we really come to church. Which, by the way, in case you missed it, is to worship God, not to look down our nose at other people. So that must never happen here. I don't think it does, to be honest, but it mustn't happen here because some churches have trouble with that. People come to worship God, and they end up, well, she wouldn't be in such trouble if she, blah, 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 blah. If only he would, well, it's his own fault, blah, 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 all right? Blah, blah, don't do it. Meanwhile, back in the Bible, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. 
Now, Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow. That's a very special and solemn promise, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Do you get that? That's a... Did you get the last bit? There was, there was a system here, or a custom called being a Nazarite. All right? When somebody was a Nazarite, they were dedicated at birth to serve God. And as a sign of that, they never cut their hair. Can you think of the most famous Nazarite? Samson. Yeah, Samson probably. John the Baptist too. But uh, Samson, of course, it made a really big deal because there's a whole thing about cutting his hair. Remember that? That's why. He was a Nazarite, and not cutting his hair was a symbol of his dedication to God. So this is what Hannah has prayed. If I have a son, he'll be a Nazarite, dedicated to God for his whole life, and he'll never cut his hair. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Do you ever do that? So she's just kind of praying like this in the corner. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself, so she's quietly praying, Oh, God, oh, God, look on your servant. Have mercy. If you, I promise, I promise. And Eli's watching this, and this is what he says. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Good call, Eli. Yeah? No. Be slow to judge others. I've done it. I've been wrong. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sort of, oh, should, whoops, later have to eat humble pie? Okay, so learn from Eli, please. What a goofball, really. He's the priest, and he gets it so wrong. Here's a woman pouring out her heart to God, and he thinks she's a drunk. All right? Learn from Eli, will you? Don't do that. Be slow to judge others. Learn from Eli. Things are not always as, as they seem. She wasn't drunk, and what he said was untrue, and it was unkind. I had a teacher called Ross when I was a teenager, and when he unpacked the scripture that says, love believes all things, have you heard that? Love believes all things? That's a hard one, isn't it? He said, of course, it doesn't mean that if you're loving, you believe any nonsense at all. You don't believe rubbish. But what he said it means is this. He said it means you believe the best of people. So you look at a situation and you say, well, I'm not sure what's happening here, but let's just believe the best of it for now. Let's, let's believe he meant it for the best. And I think that was a good thing. I've never forgotten that. So when I read Love Believes All Things, that's what I say. Love believes the best of people. Eli was not like that. How would you respond? Janie, how would you respond? If somebody, you're praying and somebody says, you're drunk. How would you respond to that? I didn't make that up, by the way. Your name is right here in the sermon. Janie, how would you respond to that? What would you say? You're praying and somebody calls you drunk. What does the scripture say? Come on. Janie, Janie and I, we've, we've looked at the scripture. What, what's the kind of answer that we give when somebody yeah, comes on? A calm answer, all right? Janie knows the scriptures. It says in the Bible that a soft answer turns away wrath. It says that in Proverbs. We studied it. That's why I picked on poor old Janie. Lucky she's here. Lucky she's here. There'd been a gap in my sermon, eh? Hey? I would have had to tell everybody else, what, the, what, Janie, what would Janie do? <laughs> all right, so, so a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, harsh words, come on, what? Harsh words stir up anger. Okay, that's in the same proverb. So what happens is, Eli should have known that, shouldn't he? But his harsh words could have stirred up anger. 
I'll tell you what, if Hannah was an ordinary woman, she would have said, hey, who the hell, what do you think you would do? I'm not even drunk. I'm in, I'm in church praying, you know. But no, no, she didn't do that. So what kind of answer is Hannah going to give? She's a good godly woman. What kind of answer? A calm answer. She is. She's going to give one. And this is what she says. Uh, now, Jocelyn has shared with us stories about how when this happens to her, she realizes the work that God has done in her. Because what happens is somebody comes in, you see, and Jocelyn knows there would have been a time in the past when she would have back. But she realizes that her spirit is calm and that to give a calm answer is actually quite natural because God is doing a transforming work. She then gives the calm answer. God works in the situation. Jocelyn gets excited and she comes along and tells us. Now, all the ingredients in that story are very good. It's very good to tell people when God's doing good things because it builds up the faith of all of us. So there we are. We can do that. Thanks, Janie and Jocelyn, for being in my sermon today. Eli was a lazy man. He didn't do what he should. But please remember, leaders aren't always right. So what did Hannah say? Did she yell and swear or say something calm? She says, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. You see, her answer was so respectful and so peaceful and calm, it pricked Eli's conscience. He knew he'd done wrong. He said this, Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Do you see what's happened there? There's been a profound exchange from a priest and a calm, godly woman who spoke so calmly and so wisely that it confronted the priest with his bad behavior. She went on her way feeling calm and right. And for the first time ever, she joined in and she ate and she felt all right. Because she'd done the right thing and God honored it by immediately giving her a confidence in his spirit. Eli, he was a man of God. And when he says, go in peace and may God grant your, your prayer, those words carried some power. And she knew that. She's been sad for years and what cheered her up was Eli's blessing. As, she, as he spoke, she was reassured. God can work through whoever he chooses. You, me. Back to the Bible. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord. They did. Sounds like Hannah joined in, doesn't it? They worshipped the Lord, and then they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now in Hebrew, the name Shemuel sounds like the words for God heard, and that's the meaning of his name. Imagine going through life being called God heard. Would that be good? Wouldn't it? That would be cool, wouldn't it? Imagine if your name was God heard. Everywhere you go, it just reminds you, what's your name? God heard. Tell us about that. You'd have a pretty good opening, wouldn't you? I'd love that. Gee, do you know what your name means? Do you? Who knows what their name means? Who knows what my name means? My name means the teller of God's truth. Is that cool? Let's see. It's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Some of you perhaps better find out what your name means. It might be good. All right. Now, the next piece of this Bible story in the Bible has a heading, 
Hannah dedicates Samuel. But that heading was put in there by the Bible translator, not by the original writers. I did tell you that the original Bible story does not have the word dedicate in it, but it certainly has the idea. Back to the Bible. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord, she said to her husband, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him up and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Flipping back into Jeremy here, do you see what's happening? After years of aching for a son, she's going to give him away. She'll only see her beautiful first, firstborn son once a year. Do you know who will raise this little boy, this beautiful child? Eli, the guy who accused her of being drunk. Man, this lady's got a lot of faith. She's giving away her precious son to be brought up by Eli. But there we are. God uses it. She was a woman of huge faith, you see. She just trusted God, could, could pick it up and run with it. Now, Hannah's not giving God what's left over. She's giving God the first offering, the first fruits. Can God bring good out of this? Will God reward her for her sacrifice? Will he? Well, back to the Bible. Do, seems what be, do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Oh, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And they worship the Lord there. Isn't that amazing? Back to me. Before I told this story, I said this. In today's story, we hear about someone who dedicated someone else to God. And I said, can you do that? And most people nodded and said, Yes, you can. Well, she did, eh? You can dedicate your children to God as far as it depends on you. Sometimes we have little ceremonies here in this church where people come forward and they do just that. The parents dedicate themselves to being godly parents and doing what they can. We all promise to, to help, but in the end, each person has to pick up that dedication for his or herself or for him or herself. How did Samson do? Did Samson do well? He marked up a lot, eh? You see? Because whatever his mum and dad said about him being dedicated to God, Samson himself was pretty unreliable. He came and went. He had some good moments, but a whole lot more bad ones. But when it goes right, when someone really does dedicate, dedicate their life to God, it can be an amazing thing, and God can move in great power. Come along for the next few weeks, and here's some of the things God did through Samuel, starting when he was a little boy speaking God's stern message to the priest Eli, he should have been able to hear God for himself. And continuing to speak God's clear message to generations of leaders, acting as the voice of God and the conscience and the moral compass of a powerful nation, a nation which was meant to be dedicated to God itself. I asked earlier, will God reward Hannah for her sacrifice? And did he? Yes. Apart from seeing her first son become a great prophet, God also gave Hannah a family, three more sons and two daughters. And somebody once said, you can't outgive God. Now, Hannah is one of my heroes, so much so that when our first child was born, we named her Hannah, and we prayed that she too would be a strong and godly woman, and she is. And that's the end of my message. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that when we look at these very real people in the Bible with their ups and downs, we always can see something that fires our imagination. We think we could be like that. 
And I pray that today Hannah's faith would fire us up to say, well, we can trust God. When we give to God, he honors it. I pray too that when, that, uh, when we're faced with things like Eli was, we wouldn't respond the way he would. We'd give people a break. We'd listen for the best. We'd believe the best of people. We thank you, Lord, that though there were some bad parts in that story, a very sad beginning of barrenness, a very ugly incident of accusations which were false, you were good out of it all. And we look to you over the next month or so as we hear stories of dedication to inspire us with ways that we can be more dedicated to you, to your kingdom, and to the place where you've put us. We thank you, Lord, for the chance to meet together today. We put ourselves in your care as we go on our way. And uh, we thank you that you are such a good God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.